I'm Sandy. And I'm Amy. We're two women taking on life's questions as posed by our listeners. In this podcast, we're channeling over 10 decades of life experience to tackle the probing questions and issues by first recognizing the real and life situations. While we also pursue the ideal in the conversations. Thanks for joining us. And if you like our podcast, please share, rate, review so others can listen in. Now to our conversation. Good morning. How are you today? I'm wonderful because I'm at your house. I know. Surprise. So Sandy showed up at my house today and she videotaped it so everyone will see what we're here. I joined. So everybody knows the Zoom fun now. And I had the Zoom on right at the time we start recording. And she's like, oh, you're outside. And as I walk closer, she's like, oh, you're at my house. Because she saw <laughs> yeah. the front of her house. And you know, here we are. Here, here we, we are. are in this kitchen. So we have one microphone. Hmm? We have two computers up. So we're kind of, I'm I'm trying to face you. <laughs> you're, you've got your side. I don't know if you're okay, okay, that, But if you want to turn your there computer towards me. So That's a know. great idea. Like, so we got this. So it's see. Oh, there. That that perfect. Perfect. You're not like, yeah. So it's not the side of your face all day. Okay. So we're in my kitchen. This okay. is so this is like coffee. Coffee chat. Coffee chat. Member set or coffee chat, please. Coffee. We have matching mugs today. Mm-hmm. And um, we're drinking our coffee. There's more over there if you want to help yourself. Right. This the is podcast. wonderful. <laughs> I'm I'm doing a little hotel living. I am in town for business. I have not been in Omaha for a year and a half. Um, between wow. I left on uh, Halloween night. I spent the night at friends and got up, ran with my girlfriends the next morning, had lunch with my aunt and left town on November 1st, 2019. And now wow. it is April of 2021. Here you go. Yeah. And I used to, I, I mean, I was, even when we moved from Omaha, I was back at least one week a month. Yeah. So that's a way to rip the bandaid off. Right. <laughs> it's been a while. So happy to be back, but funny things, you know, like I drive and uh, I saw the Wendy's on 132nd and center is like a Mexican place now. I, and just different little things that I noticed that are probably not new to everybody else I'm like okay well that changed well have you gone down uh Pacific by St. Wenceslas and Miller North yet no do that next okay it's a whole transformation of what's going on there so after after this gets taped it will be done I'm going to show up with my girlfriends that I ran with for 20 years I'm going to show up at 5.30 in the morning on their next run, which oh. is in that area. And I, I hopefully it'll be a little deja vu. Anyway, happy to How be in your kitchen, fun. which and, is very warm and, and inviting, by the way. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you're here. And I'm just going to say, Sandy is surprising everybody today or this week. Like she hasn't told anybody she's in town except for like her son. My kids, her my kids. two boys. And so this is... Um, She's having a lot of fun. When she walked up, she's like, I'm surprising everyone. <laughs> so I can tell you're having fun with it. It can be more fluid then too, is the yeah. way I figured it. Then then it's back to if I have somebody, if neighbor who's out of town, 
you know, I'll be back, you know, right. I'll be back. I've got other work to do, but for now, let's just have a little fun with it. Oh, it's fun. Have a little fun. All, All right. right. So today's topic, we should change it because we should change it to surprises. So we could. <laughs> maybe we'll maybe next time. time. Maybe next time. But today we're going to talk about villains and victims. And you kind of brought this forward. You wrote a nice blog on it a while back. And I was reading the blog. And um, so do you want to share like why this came forward to you and why you blogged about it? Yeah, the the... I'm going to give credit to, have you ever heard of Cy Wakeman? Yes. Okay. So Cy, follow her. On do, so do I. And <laughs> she's she, lovely. She's lovely. And she really, I, I like it because she doesn't use soft words. Sometimes she calls drama, drama. She get rid of drama in the workplace, get rid of drama in life, ego, ego, all of that. And she had brought up, and I hadn't thought about it this way before, but it's so true in all of our lives that we, it's so easy to fall into being a victim. And her point was, there is no victim without a villain. There is no villain. So what happens is when we play victim and it's so easy for us as humans to be the victim, even when th bad things have happened and then we vilify other people because you can't really play the victim very well unless there's a villain. And so this victims and villains happens all the time in life. And for me, it was happening in my divorce. And it happens, that's a, that's a, that's a very easy example because a breakup, just say any kind of a breakup. Right. It could be a partner breakup. It could be, you know, so it could be business. It could be friendship, mm -hmm. but it is so easy to play the victims and villains game. And it's so easy to fall into it innocently. And so Part of the blog was telling the story. You'll have to remind me, I didn't read it again before this. I think was it, well, I'm thinking of motive. You'll have to remind me of which story this was. Um, but um, the whole thing, and I use the villains and victims quite a bit because the minute I'm in a situation where I'm talking to a friend and they start right away going into the victim mode and they're vilifying the other person, mm -hmm. it is literally the road to nowhere. It is, there's no good that comes out of it. And my point, which, you know, back to my divorce is I got really good at being, I was a damn good victim because people will feed into that too. So there's part of self-awareness for yourself to stop because, you know, quite frankly, very, very, very rarely is that other person a pure victim that we do not live in a Disney movie. Right. And they might have done things wrong. In the case of a marriage, when there's children involved, no child wants is going to jump on the bandwagon of their parent being a villain and that does no good right and and it happens so often so a lot of this and i tell you for me my purpose is to help people that are going through ugly splits and a lot of times divorces to not fall in the villains and victims yeah. and there's just no good that comes out of it and you basically fall into a hole and you don't you don't it doesn't help you as a person it doesn't help the um the other person and so keep in mind it's not just so you could be in that role or it could be a friend of yours but be the friend that helps them not fall into that right because nothing you don't you don't heal you don't forgive all those things that we talk about and we know are the right things there is nothing about playing villain and victims that gets you to that point right you mentioned um when you were introducing this topic, that it felt really good 
like your friends were um, playing into this. Uh, and I feel like a friend sometimes does that out of empathy. They're right. like, that's they're what trying they need to support you. They want to help you. So they're, they're recognizing um, what your struggles are and they're acknowledging it. And, and so they're kind of reinforcing this victimhood, but getting people to move beyond that mm -hmm. is probably the- It's the right thing to do. Right it's thing. so easy. And I think, you know, if there's something, because when you are the victim, usually you do have horrible things that are going on in your life. You know, it's all really true. You're not making up stories, but it's women especially feel like they're being a good friend by helping that friend and solidifying the villain and victim. They might walk away from it and say to you know, their significant other, that was a lot, that she's going through a lot and we make excuses, right. but it doesn't. My truest friends, when I look back, there were a few different things and I had different stories because it went different ways. There's a friend that doesn't know I'm here yet, but she will by the time everybody hears this. <laughs> you know, one thing she did, she never villainized my ex-husband and my kids to this day. I have a son that I'm just going to say it was, it was Roxanne and it was my friend Roxanne. And she always, when other, everybody else was throwing my soon to be ex-husband under the bus, she spoke highly of him in front of my kids. She didn't avoid the subject. And so what she did that. is she went out of her way and she was always a good friend to me and kind to me, but she refused to villainize him when everybody else did, because it's very easy to do that too. And right. to this day, my son will remember how that made him feel and how he how, how he appreciated that. Because again, <laughs> the people were villainizing you know, we're not talking about mass murderers here. We're not talking, we're right. not talking about the top news story. That's the 1% that it really does exist. But most of the time, the people we're throwing under the bus or we're making villain have parents, kids, maybe they made a mistake, but that doesn't make them the, the Disney villain. Right. They're not wholeheartedly bad. They right. might have made a mistake. And, right. And, and I had recently had a friend, um, we were out on a walk and I was sharing some stuff and, you know, I was playing the victim, right. And complaining oh. about whatever. I was just having a good time and she was so sweet. She was listening and I'm just going to call her out, Julie, because she, we right. walk every Saturday and she was listening and, um, empathizing with me. But after a while she said, so what are you going to do? And I was like, good question. Good question. Because she she made me switch my my thought process to I'm such a victim in this to all right, so what's the next step? What do I do with this information? And where do I like how do I move out of this? Mm -hmm. And so it was very, she was very thoughtful. I was like, that's just really and it didn't strike me as that's what she was doing until I was researching all of this. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's what Julie did for me the other day. That's a great way to, to ask like, what do you, what are you going to do about this? It's those simple questions because we talk about how we tell ourselves stories. Oh my gosh, when you're playing victim right. or you're talking to somebody who's playing victim, we all know this, the story gets better. Maybe there's some really key parts where that person right, right, did something really crappy, right. but we take a situation and we make it their whole persona right. rather than saying, okay, 
that was bad choice. Maybe I was the victim right. in this little sliver <laughs> and it becomes the story we right. tell. Right. And yeah, it's, I love that. I love that. So what are you going to do about it? I did that in a work situation. I played a victim pretty well and it was really pretty easy because the guy was an ass yeah. and sometimes, but, but back to what are you going to do about it? Maybe it makes for a good story, but what are you going to do about it? Ask right. ourselves that too. Okay. So maybe he wasn't asked, boy, there are some great stories about what he did, but what am I going to do about it? What did I learn from it? And quite frankly, when I reflect on it, one of the things I talk about a lot in bad relationships when I'm coaching people or a workshop is what did you value them for? What did they bring to the table? You started a relationship with them. There had to have been something that you valued. And then was there a point you stopped valuing them for that? Because it makes you reflect on the fact that everybody has a human need to feel valued. And typically there's two sides back to, there is no true, it's very, very rare. There's a true villain and victim. And by reflecting on that, you usually find out there was a part, a good part of that relationship and you were contributors to what went wrong. Right. There's two sides. There's two sides to everything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One, I know somebody way back had a breakup and it was in the family. I'm not going to mention exactly who it was, but this boyfriend was golden. He was completely golden until the breakup. And then the breakup happened. And then there was a a list of all the things that he had been doing that was bad, you know, guilty. And then, and, but it was so bizarre because it was like all of a sudden this flip of golden to horrible. And I remember trying to reconcile those two stories. And I was like, there's got to be truth on both of these ends. You know, there's probably truth to how he was good, but he has done some bad things. So, right, you know, there was like, there's got to be a middle ground. You can't just all of a sudden flip to being. And it's so easy as the outsider because we want a story why things don't work out. We want to create a story. So the villain and victims is a great thing for all of us because it had to have been, somebody had to have gone, there's a good and there's a bad. It's some type of human unraveling. And I would say the other thing is think about like in my situation, be the person that can rise above it because it's so impactful to help people get past and feel the way Ben did that somebody valued somebody he loved and he right. knew to be right. the truth. Yeah, yeah. He knew to be the truth. There's yeah. always going to be, there, there's going to be somebody and it doesn't do, the, the other funny part I remember about the divorce was there were three of us that be, we were friends, but we came friends because we were going through divorce at the same time. And oh, like looking back, we did all these things together. We were there to support each other. And one of the gal's moms, like five, six years later, we were all together again. And she's kind of a straight shooter. And she's like, oh my God, if you three women became the biggest victims ever, like <laughs> you just needed to freaking move on. I mean, she just told it how it was. And I thought it was so funny because in my mind, I thought, oh, I'm such a victim. I was such a victim. And, you know, I thought like it was me who pushed away from that car and it was others. But it was funny to hear her very honest words about how we we were playing into that like no other. Right. And you guys were probably encouraging. Oh, encouraging. all back <laughs> It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> you know, to think of it. But I enjoyed hearing it. Is there anything better than hearing this honest observation? It's hard. 
But I'm like, oh my gosh, I tell you what, it gave a whole new view to me that I hadn't looked at before of what that looked like and what I probably sounded like. (laughs) And thank goodness I had a lot of good people in my life, including my father, including a lot of, you know, I have very, very good friends. There were many that loved to, you know, they love, there are people that love the villain and victim story. Yeah. Part of it is that they do like back to side. They like drama. There are people that like gossip. And I found out, I found that there were a lot of people that weren't in my inner circle that became my inner circle. And it wasn't so much about helping me. It was because they enjoyed being part of the drama. Right. And you got to get away from that. I always, that's the bottom feeders. Don't go for for the dolphins up top. Don't, there's plenty of bottom feeders. So here's a question because we're both pretty optimistic people and we're always like, okay, we have to see the good in others. We have to assume positive intentions. And so I'm wondering if that um, creates this, this, uh, where there's all of a sudden a switch. You know what I mean? Like, so there's a line we, and somebody has crossed the line, but we've represented this person as positive, assumed positive motives. We've never shared right the balance of good and bad until this, they crossed the line. Uh, and I don't know what the question is around this, but I was just kind of thinking through it because being optimistic, you know, I was thinking about, um, well, the story where you know, the family member didn't share anything bad. Well, I don't share anything bad about people either. Usually, you know, it's usually I'm assuming positive intentions, but if there's a line in the sand, then all of a sudden there's a split. And I, I think that, so I think very good point. And I would tell you both you and I, maybe to a fault sometimes, that doesn't mean that somebody is a villain, but maybe to a fault, we might see positive intent and go on and hold on too long because, yeah. you know, because there, the, the other side is it isn't black and white that, oh my gosh, it's not a villain. It's not a victim. So I've got to be their best friend. You know, there's an in-between too. You don't have right. to like the case yeah. of the, the boy who was the golden boy. Now he did everything wrong. We, it's not about taking sides. So it's not like you took the wrong side. Right. We're saying there's a gray area in between, yes. but my mother has told me a couple of different times don't assume everybody has good intent. You know, right. like you can start there, but don't stay on too long. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and so, so your she, mom's wise. <laughs> she coaches me on that because I might stay on too long. Right. And so the opposite is, is maybe we can get drawn into these stories either way, you know, because back to villains and victims, we might you know, we might be trying to work it out, trying to find the good, where sometimes we just need to accept the fact that the truth is somewhere in the middle and back to your friend, what are you going to do about it? And then help encourage, if it's close person, help encourage them on how they're going to get through. Cause we're not about telling them what to do, but to wallow in it, you know, it's that wallowing. That's, that's what I think. I think that's the word my dad used is you can't wallow in it. You know, you got to move on. And also, I'm just going to say, you can't talk about it. So if somebody's sharing something with you mm-hmm. and uh, they're playing the victim, don't you go and share that story, right? right? Because that just creates more drama. That creates more of the, the story. Just keep it to yourself. Encourage them to move out of it. But um, 
don't spread it. Right. As in, you won't believe what she did. You won't right. believe what he did. Whatever right. it is, like, just. Which is hard too, because, you know, I'm a storyteller by nature and I got to tell you, I've got some good stories, you know, and then when you're right in the middle of it, because I find I like, and a lot of people are like this, but those funny things that happen, those moments, and then I choose to blog the good ones, or I used to blog the good ones more so than I do now, um, because I have more life stories with the kids and the ex, um, new husband, but, um, those sensational stories, you know, the ones that have that really crazy thing that happened in the middle, I do get a charge out of telling a story and getting that shock factor. Are you kidding me? There's something about, there really is. It's a, it's a little bit like a little bit of taste of crack or something, you know, to right, get right, that. Right. And so you repeat those stories and right. think about these villain and victim stories. A lot of them have that little bit and you hear them repeated it's over and over. Story. That's what they make Disney movies right. out of. <laughs> and then you can add that little plot twist in the middle. Right. But, but I have a funny story about this is I had met a gal I had just gotten a bike and I started when I was dating Garrett. So this had been 10 years ago and I joined a biking club and a gal and I went for a bike ride and I'm not kidding you. We were tell- we knew nothing about each other and ended up at just being she and I like two hours. We were telling each other stories. Well, I was like on a roll. I was telling her every juicy divorce story, every good. And I mean, like, Oh, it was like, a, I felt like a Jerry Seinfeld, but not with comedy, with stories. And when we got done, she just looked at me. And I remember in my head saying, oh my God, Sandy, what did you, you know, you've like scared the shit out of her, excuse my language. And I told myself, you're done. Never tell those stories again. And I didn't, I never, I was done. It was like, it was almost like I just, blah, you know, and back to repeating the stories, I kind of felt dirty and icky and like that I got such a oh here's all these great stories it was overkill and I was just done with it right but it was a little bit like you know like crack you know yeah, not yeah. that that yeah, it was yeah. just this enticement that I'm going to keep telling her oh okay, there's a better one and oh, this yeah. and this and, and this, this. <laughs> and I honestly wonder if she thought I was lying you know what I mean that I was just making all this stuff up and quite frankly I'm sure after I've told the, just like anybody, any, any witness, they always say the worst witness is the eyewitness because the more times you tell the story, the more you believe something to be true. And likely the things that got the punch factor from those stories have been my, I mean, I'm sure they have evolved. right? Right. Right. Okay. So to continue on that concept of um, my coffee so keep okay, going go in amy's coffee. kitchen yeah go get your coffee um <laughs> and look how cute she's dressed i'm in a sweatshirt and you just saw her walk by <laughs> she's all cute because i didn't think anyone was showing up at my house <laughs> but to that story i don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast revisionist history i love revisionist history i know exactly what episode you're talking i know about. that's what i was just so gonna say good. the brian williams one yes and we, we need to post that that is so malcolm nails it yes it's very interesting how in your mind a story evolves yes. and changes to where um you start to believe that you were in yes in there and so, and so it's not about lying. Thing. That's the other right, thing too, exactly. is I think an intentional lie. Recognize it's- this when you're hearing this story from somebody that it's probably not what really happened. And that doesn't make them a liar because you know, they're a good person. Just like my point, yeah. I told this gal all these stories. 
Well, I was, that was my highlight reel of what I made up in my head for probably, let's just go 50% of it, you know? Um, but I would highly recommend this revisionist history episode. This comes up with people. I Garrett's biking group all the time. It comes up because it kind of haunts them because it is so right. So well-documented, so well-researched, and it's a real story that we can all relate to. Yeah. I'm going to listen to that again. It's really good. I know. I keep thinking I'm so going to revisit it because we'll post it too. It's just, it's a good one. Um, all right. So we have a question. Hi. If you know someone with a victim mentality, what's the best response? Well, you gave us a really good one, that but maybe there's good another one. good one. Cause I think asking it, I think asking a question that's open-ended, um, that's a good one though. What are you going to do about it? So there's an article and we're going to post this in the show notes. This is my research. Um, so number one, so there's several things you can do. Setting some boundaries around it, you know, they're, so that their negativity um, doesn't bring you down too. But this one resonated, offer help with finding solutions. And this ties to what Julie said to me, but acknowledge their belief that they can't do anything about the situation. So typically when we play the victim, we're, we think we're not resilient, that we have no control, that That's everything is out of our control. And I'm and living in this bubble back to Disney. Right. I am, I am the victim. I have no control. So you kind of acknowledge that, but then you ask them what they would do if they had the power to do something. Um, which I thought that was good because it's not, what, what would you do? Because Julie said, what would you do? Knowing that I, I'm, I'm gonna think of something to do, but typically, well, sometimes there's victims that think they have no control and they're just, they're stuck. And, and sometimes you can't get them past it. Right. And so trying to get them to imagine what they would do if they could do something could get them kind of out of it. And then you help them brainstorm possible ways. Mm-hmm. And they've got to be open-minded to it because you will find some people that just want to bitch and they like, they don't want to change their situation. Well, and that this whole article talks about people who... Uh, so you had a moment of victimhood. It it's not. Oh, know, it was a pretty glorious. Well, <laughs> a period of time, a glorious moment. But and you know, I have those moments too. But I don't live in that space all the time. Where there are some people who don't, uh, who do live in that space all the time. Where they're a victim of how they were raised. They're a victim of where they live. They're a victim of their boss. They're a victim of, you know, they have that whole life that they're a victim of so it's those are the people that you You know there's one more thing too i would tell you there's a control element sometimes when you play victim because you're controlling the narrative oh yeah and you can play that card like they're not in the room and you're controlling that narrative right and you think you're doing them a favor you know so you got to be careful too because if you're the victim holds the cards so they are controlling and they can control the negative and put an olive branch out. So the other side, I would say is if you're the one that's playing victim in a situation, don't make it about uh, giving, doing something because back to, because you, you, you're, you're doing them a favor, yeah. you know, 
because that's that's the other thing that happens is it's there's a control issue yeah <clears throat> well and you're trying to control the narrative so you look good and so they don't the other person doesn't look because it makes so you whatever, feel better it's like right? a drug it is very short term right it's a you make you feel better and look better because they look worse and it feels really good at the time and you kind of get this and then you feel kind of icky yeah <laughs> you got the hangover afterwards right. and like that one story you know i was just like oh my gosh you know that was a bender <laughs> okay so let's talk about the real and the ideal in this what's the real well i think the real is the vil villains and victims happen a lot more than we think i mean it happens in everyday life mm -hmm. a lot um, where people, even in quick conversations, coworkers, bosses, I think we innately go to villains and victims. It's a pretty common, um, how more so like, this isn't just when Sandy went through a divorce or, right. you know, somebody had a breakup, a big, it's not always the big things. I think the real is it happens all the time that I people agree. fall into it. I, I really agree. Cause when I was thinking through this topic, because usually we we get our topic and then we think on it for a week. Right. At least that's what I do. I'm like in my head, I'm kind of thinking of situations. I'm doing a little research. And this one really, I was like, we all at some point play the victim. We all at some point play the villain in someone's story. So it's kind of just coming to terms with that and trying not and knowing and recognizing there's two sides to every story and just keeping that as a, that's probably the ideal. Okay, I'm gonna throw out one. This is back to just thinking, cause I'm like, oh gosh, I guarantee you I have something like this going on right now. So my, my father-in-law <laughs> moved into uh, an older community where we talked about getting to cut your mom again. And so many people, they look for a villain and victim, okay? So right. who is wrong, who is right? Now I gotta tell you, he plays a really good villain and victim. Like he's really good at that. You know, that's just his personality. Yeah. And he's a guy, yeah. but he is. He, <laughs> he's a guy. He's a guy, but he can play that game like no other. So the knee-jerk reaction is to play the opposite side. No, we're the victim, he's the villain. And in the reality, I'm constantly having to remind myself, no, he didn't want to be taken care of. He wanted to live and this is a good situation for him. He's in, so even if he's pushing villains and victims and it's so easy for me to, because it's really easy to throw him, it always says well, to throw the other person under the bus and have people listen. Right. Oh, not just him, but people are looking for a villain and victim story. Right. And it's a constant struggle to not make it into that because it's not that, you know? And right. it's so, so back to the real, you know, I'm fighting that narrative that people, that's the only way that they can wrap their brain around why we don't live together anymore is it has to be a good and a bad, but that's right. just life. Somebody kicked somebody out or somebody wasn't happy or- It's an easy yeah. answer, right? And it's so it's, easy to jump in. In fact, if I give an answer, I've learned this, if I just say, oh, boom, you know, this happened and he, then that's easy and I don't hear about it again. Right. But if I try to say, oh, you know, anything, if it's not a villain and victim or black and white, they just look at me confused. So it's almost right. easier to play villain and victim, which is really pretty sad. Right. But that's the it natural. Is. Yeah. 
and and when you're you're uh, charged with being the villain, the natural reaction is to be defensive to flip and flip it, flip it. No, which people do it all the time, <laughs> right? And so that's, that's, our that's the two sides to every story. We've shown the next generation because you know when they come home and they are in trouble for something or a friend or the coach yeah. it's always a villain and victim right it's totally. everybody loves to start there the coach hates me uh the key you know just right whatever we can is. go but right. that, it's every day this isn't just those three things in life that we have to think about this is every day stuff that right. we deal with and it's right. a huge the ideal is if you break away from it and think about it and take the right, you feel better as a person, you create better relationships, you're better about moving on and not building. There's nothing yeah. good about drama and gossip and because that's what it really ends up being. Right. Completely agree. I always, I always in my mind, we're like, there's two sides to every story. Right. Whenever someone's playing villain, claiming someone's a villain or being a victim whatever i'm always like there's two sides to every story and you and can't I, you can't change some people you can't change that's the other right. reality is yeah. we can all say okay great if everybody had positive intent we can all work our way through this but an example i'll give is one time because i do try to really angry divorced women for again back to instances i try i always try to say you know what the best gift you can give to your kids is to forgive, you know, right. or don't throw them under the bus. And don't, and there are some people that are just like, you don't know my life, you know, right. screw you. Right, right. And that's fine. <laughs> but I'm not gonna, for the, for the kids, especially, I'm, I, I, I'm just not going to go there. Does that mean we're not friends anymore? No. I mean, if it was a really close, and I have some close people that I really can't get them to stop playing villain and victim. But I also don't sit there and listen to it all the time. You know, it does yeah. sever the relationship, no, but I don't have to participate in that ongoing conversation either. Right. Because right. we, we have our own free will. Yes. That's real right. too. That's good. Um, so this was good. I, I want to do a little follow-up last episode. Okay. If we can, we're going to wrap up the villains and victims. Okay. And um, last episode was love languages. Oh, it was love languages. Okay. I had to think okay. about it. I know. Episode okay. 37. <clears throat> okay. And I'm just going to tell you, I want to start doing this follow-up mm -hmm. on our previous conversations because okay. typically what happens is we finish up our conversation mm -hmm. and then I keep thinking about things right. that you said, right? <laughs> and I was like, I just want to make a little asterisk on some on some of our podcasts. I want to revisit. Our love this, okay? So, episode thirty-seven, we talked about love languages, and um, one of the things I mentioned was how a colleague she lit up when I used words of affirmation with her, and what you. I think you brought out that that was my love language mm -hmm. and that's probably, you know, why it was a natural thing for me to talk to her like that. And she lit up. So I started thinking about it later. I'm like, what if, so you're right, because that was natural for me. That's what I give everybody's words of affirmation. What if 
a colleague's love language is different than yours. And especially in this time, I was having a hard time with these love languages of gifts, physical, like when you're working with people, you're typically not touching them. Mm -hmm. How do you connect with people like that? You're not usually giving gifts. You're not usually, so my mind kind of went to, all right, let's revisit this. And can we come up with um, ways to connect? And maybe this is, this is probably a longer conversation with people at work. I, I, the only thing, the thing that I do is I watch. And again, we talked about, it doesn't na naturally mean that something they do a lot of or naturally is their love language. But usually, you know, I'm fine. The people that I know or I work with, I usually find that. And so I try to reciprocate in similar ways. So I try to look, you know, kind of like a mirror. And the hard one for me is quality time. And the example right. I'll give in work is I hate meetings to have meetings. And I almost get annoyed when I have meetings because I want to get the work done. And I have found myself trying to remind myself that some people need that quality time in a business relationship, you know, doesn't make me a better person because I like to say, oh, by the way, you know, I don't need to have all these meetings. You people are just, you know, inefficient. Right. Some but people will be offended by that. Right. But they yes. want that quality That's time quality because time. It, it's meaningful for them to talk things out. And you, so that's probably the harder one because over the years, you know, I've become a hugger. You know, I wasn't naturally a hugger. I'm more of a hugger. I The gift giving is pretty easy for me to see. I know which friends are the same ones that always send me the card. And, you know, so I just, I, I probably do a little bit extra for those. And coworkers too, drop a note, uh, buy them lunch, come back with something. Um, but the quality time is the one I have to challenge myself with. And all I can do, because again, we don't hand out the book and say, tell me your love language right. is... I have to look at that one and say, okay, them filling my calendar, wanting a check-in every week, isn't a, um, they're wasting my time. They don't know what they're doing. And I need to be more appreciative of that. that quality time. So it's interesting because I kept thinking through all my colleagues and I was like, I don't know anyone's love languages except for the ones that are word, words of affirmation. <laughs> so I'm like, I got to work on this a little bit. So that's what I was, we were going through that. So, and you do notice point. things back to like the hard one, like I said, with quality time, I think through a few people I work with, when's our next Zoom call? What's our next Zoom call? And I'm like, oh, for the love. All right. Are we good? <laughs> you know? Why are we scheduling another Why are we? But they like having that time. So, All right. So we're okay. going to go over a little today because we're in person. So we're, we're just going to be chatty um, really quickly. So we got to see previews of Zeke bouncing around. My dogs are here today under the table. They're beautiful by the way. Oh, thanks. They're being quiet, which is nice. Um, have you always had a pet? No, no. It's actually really quite funny. Um, grew up in a small town. My parents now, I'm going to speak for my parents, three kids. Uh, they grew up on farms. They had the idea that if you had a dog who was a farm dog and animals, you know, animals lived outside. Were, lived outside. Yeah. Um, purportedly, we had a goldfish, which I don't remember, but my parents kind of hammering over this now because my two brothers and I were huge dog lovers. We all have, I mean, our dogs are like part of our family, huge dog lovers. We, our dogs play, yeah, 
and they they look no and my parents are like oh my god we did this horrible thing like our look at our kids like (laughs) we never let them have a dog and their dogs are part of the family so and none of us had dogs until I would tell you when our kids were little we really didn't they were kind of when our when our kids got to be like high school Mm -hmm. um I we had a small Maltese for a while uh but but the kids Grant was a baby but um, it wasn't like we all went to college and got dogs right away. My right. Bro- my other brother wasn't until later. How about you? So that's my dog. I, I grew up in the country and with lots of animals. We had cats, we had dogs, we had uh, horses. You know, it was just at some point we had goats and pigs and cows. So it was kind of a free for all, but I did not have a dog. We had cats because cats are pretty easy, right? dogs it took a long time before I let a dog into my house just because my kids are little right and, and like, they're because they are a lot of work it's another kid and I was like no and then when my dad passed away we inherited the dog <laughs> so okay. okay so that was the beginning of it okay okay and then after that I'm just gonna blame my mom my mom has brought all of our dogs into our life because we had buddy after my dad passed away because mom couldn't take care of him. She was traveling too much. And then Charlie was supposed to be a service dog that my mom and Cameron worked on together. And so he came into our life. And then Bella is from my mom. Oh. So my mom brought all of our animals into our life, or all the dogs, I should say. And Garrett's a huge dog lover. And so I tell you the other element with me was he always had multiple dogs and loved dogs. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is we got Zeke together. Um, you know, Zeke's like another one of my kids, right? Yeah. Part of it's timing, yeah. you know, timing, you know, timing is everything. Yes. Loved my Harry, but I had three growing boys and Harry kind of trailed along, whereas right. Zeke is front and center. Yeah. But Garrett, he, he you know, the, the Zeke is a boy and he kind of, I said, Were you, are you surprised at how much, you know, Zeke and I have bonded? He said, in some ways, but yet a boy dog, a female owner, you know, I'm the one who walks him. He's just doesn't love food. You know, Garrett feeds him, but I'm more the walker, you know, so there's certain things that animals will bond over, but yeah, I, I, I tell you what, COVID having an animal, Mm -hmm. having an animal and a husband score, baby, and no kids at home. Right. Sorry, guys, but uh, I mean, I didn't have to homeschool or worry about some of the things you had to worry about. Yeah, mine were easy because it's all high school, which is easy. But dogs are good entertainment, I think. I love them. The eyes, they're so expressive. They're so expressive. And they have their own personalities. We're talking about downsizing and we're like, oh, but we have to have a place for the dogs. And so that's been the constant conversation. And one of our neighbors was like, well, you could sell the dogs with the house. And I was like, oh, hey, I hadn't even thought of that. And I was sharing it with my kids and they're like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> no, that's like, a bad okay, idea. So we can't do that. <laughs> I would never do that. That's hilarious. <laughs> It's yeah, a good they could just stay in the yard. So it's not just shock factor. Just <laughs> right. tell, tell, tell the kids that right. you know, they'll keep telling the story, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> All right. So let's close for today. Sammy, All right. Thank you. This is a fun conversation. Omaha. Good to be back. Yeah. Happy coffee talk. Mm-hmm. And um, until next time. Nice being in my kitchen.